Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. You have to be passionate about something. You have to find something you're passionate about. And preparation is everything. You have to be educated about every aspect of what you're doing. Preparation means know how to market it. Preparation means make sure it's honest. Um, Preparation means really over, over study, over practice, over learn about what can go wrong with everything. And then persistence is because with all those things, you will fail unless you keep going because every day there's going to be an obstacle in front of your face. There's going to be somebody saying no, somebody who might be jealous of you, somebody who just doesn't get it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard. Hope you're doing well. For those of you who listen to the show, thanks for coming back. And for those newbies, thanks for checking us out and I hope you enjoy it. If you want to reach me, you can do so at BarryCats at Instagram or Twitter or BarryCats.com. If you want to see the show live and you're in the Boston area, we're doing the Boston Comedy Festival the first week of September. And I will be there and you can get tickets, easy to find. And if you're in Montreal this summer, I'm at the Montreal Just for Last Festival, July 27th at 1.30 in the afternoon, the Hyatt Regency with an incredible guest. It's sure to be one of the best podcasts (laughs) I've ever done. And as I look around, I always think about what I'm going to say. And before I start, I just want to thank you all so much because without all your support, I wouldn't have a chance to even have the opportunity to be able to sit down and talk with David Copperfield. And as I sit here and look at all the memorabilia around me and all these incredible, incredible pieces of historical magic, I think about something that David Copperfield personifies that I think is the rarest of the rare. I mean, this is a guy who has been number one in his field 
for over three decades, well over three decades. There hasn't been one year where this guy hasn't been setting world records and blowing people away, always reinventing, always changing, always one-upping himself. According to Forbes, this is a guy who's one of the wealthiest entertainers in the world. Obviously, you don't get there without being the most successful at your craft. And when you're on a list right after George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Oprah, and Michael Jordan, and you're number five on that list, and you've been doing it for over 30 years, there's something they said for that. Many people out there that you've heard say this phrase, it's not getting there. It's staying there that's difficult. My uncle was the number one expert on Houdini in the world. He dedicated his life. And if you were to talk to David in all his humility, he would tell you that Houdini was a guy who broke down the walls to make it possible for people like himself to do what he does. But if you talk to somebody like me or many people out there in magic or even my uncle, who was witness to Houdini and David Copperfield, be the first one to tell you that David is doing things that no other magician and no other entertainer has ever done in the world. And that's why he sells more tickets than any solo act out there in the world, including people like Sinatra, Michael Jackson, and Elvis. To put it in perspective of what it means to work even harder than you did to get to number one. This is a guy who did 638 shows last year. This is a guy that doesn't have to work ever again. He did 638 shows. He did them because he knows what it takes to stay number one. And that's constantly working harder than you possibly can imagine. Reinventing, recrafting, doing a different trick over and over again until you perfect it and then moving on to the next one. That's what David Copperfield's all about. Staying there because he already got there. And I think if you look at wherever you work and whatever you're doing with that kind of philosophy... I can only imagine that you have the possibility of having the kind of career that David Copperfield has. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and Seaman. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Out of the air! Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. Shooting magic is a specialty. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do it right, you're in trouble. And here you were, a young person, and your career hinged on this special. And you had to rely on these people who never shot magic before. Who were wonderful. Who were wonderful in their own way. Bill Ballou did the costume. Bill Ballou designed Elvis's 
famous suit, right? We had uh, Romaine Johnston who designed the Flip Wilson set and men, you know, Oscar sets and all this. You know, but, but they had no idea about magic. You know, I was producing cards, you know, out of thin air in front of a white background wearing a white suit. <laughs> you know, it was like bizarre that you couldn't see the cards, you know what I'm saying? So they did, just didn't think about that stuff. I just saw a Gene Kelly interview after watching Singing in the Rain for the 2000th time. <laughs> and Gene Kelly talked about watching himself in his first few movies. We had no control of what he was doing. And he would do a dance and they'd cut away from the dance and they would do, the framing of the shot was wrong. And he said, you know, I had to learn how to do lighting and learn how to position the camera, learn how to direct or else all my hard work wouldn't be seen properly. And that's a flashback to my you know, 20, 20 year old experience. You know, we had all these brilliant people who could shoot the hell out of music or, or comedy or whatever, but could, didn't know how to shoot magic. So I had to learn. I had to learn about lighting, learn about design, learn about all those things just to survive. Um, luckily, that first special wasn't a catastrophe. People did tune in to see it. And CBS saw it. A guy named Bernie Safronsky um, saw this show. And Joe Cates pitched this show, which wasn't a commercial, it was a uh, an annual special, which you know evolved over you know twenty twenty years on CBS. I believe you did eighteen straight years in a row of an hour special every year. Then you took a break for about four or five years and did two more. You did 20 <laughs> network specials in like 24 years. Yeah. You know, people talk about comedy. Oh, Louis C.K., he writes a new hour a year, and Bill Burr writes a new hour a year. But they don't realize how difficult it is to create a new magic show. It's the same. I mean, I think it's the same. I mean, Seinfeld talks about it, the, you know, the craft of getting the word exactly right. How do you get that? The placement, Louis C.K., the year. Of, it was a year uh, uh, per special, and it was torture it was really hard you know to get it right because i wasn't i don't have the great american songbook of magic you can't draw from that i mean i you end up being an inventor you're inventing new things you take some old things and redress them maybe but you have to reinterpret it in a very f fresh new way and um but mostly it's inventing new things what you saw on the show last night is invention you know it's five years of work you know, I get a lot of strength by listening to people who at Pixar who struggle and make it suck less over a five-year period to get one piece right, you know, and that's what I do. And the, the, today, you know, the fast food of television is, and the amount of, of content that's needed is, is, is mind-boggling. And uh, unlike music, where you can have an American Idol or a The Voice show, or you can draw from music of, that exists, it doesn't exist in magic, you know, and we're inventing new things, much like a Pixar movie. I want to talk to you about something that doesn't exist in magic that shocks me. Why are there no women who have become household names in magic? I think, and I hope, that will change. You know, I think there's some very talented uh, female magicians out there do you want to mention names? You know, they're still developing their, you know, who they are, uh, their talent. You can see it in a kind of a, uh, in an individual piece that they do. Uh, the over, the, nobody in that category has an overall show per se. 
there was a, a magician in uh, Japan named Princess Tenko. In the 50s, there was a, a yeah, lady named Del O'Dell who did her whole show to rhyme. Uh, Adelaide Herman took over for her husband and did a show. Um, uh, there's been some various people who've had TV specials throughout. There were people that did do um, um, magic on TV and stuff. There has to be a hypothesis from the greatest magician in the world of why it's never happened yet in a century or more. I think it's hard to make it as a magician at all, first of all. To be a household name as a magician, it's, that's a difficult task because of everything we've talked about. You know, the amount of material that exists and so forth. Um, you know, I think uh, we... People are expendable, I think, unfortunately. People in their minds, uh, we forget about stuff too quickly, unfortunately. There's a lot of great work that gets forgotten very quickly. So I think just as a, in any gender, uh, to, to make a mark in any, any craft, much less magic, is, is hard to have a lasting effect. Um, it's weird because, you know, women who have magical powers is a normal thing, you know, bewitched, I dream of genie. You know, we want to see that. That's a thing that we enjoy seeing, you know. Uh, I was transfixed by bewitched. Um, you know, Barbara Eden, I got to know later in life. You know, it's like, it makes sort of sense. You know, even witches, you know, women with magical powers, it does make sense, doesn't it? So I don't really know the answer. I think maybe also there's less, less women who have taken an interest in magic as you know as a person maybe that's something to do it too this is another thing i don't understand the illusionist which takes seven magicians and does tours across the country the guy who produced it simon painter literally just took a poster nothing else just made a poster and went to sell it and sold it off the poster and the interest in magic in that show regardless of what you might think of the show or whatever anybody thinks of the show very successful show with a lot of young people who aren't well known it's doing well and the people that who, who toured with me people who produced my tours are involved in that show joe marsh and magic productions of people so you know a lot of how to tour a magic show uh we learned the hard way yeah. yes and these people take the knowledge that they gain from working with you they go out and do their thing and they get the successful show going I don't take any credit for that, by the way. I think, you know, uh, the, the, most all of the magicians in that show I know and I respect. They're, they're talented, uh, you know, performers, you know, and I, I you know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm proud that they are in my business. And that means a lot and obviously means a lot to them. What I don't understand is that you have the ability I mean, in one phone call, you could do a show that toured the world with your name on it. David Copperfield presents these people. You could mentor somebody and you could actually get a small theater here in Vegas and it would sell out every week if you endorsed a person. But you don't get in that business and no magicians normally do get in that business. Why? 
because you know obviously that gets brought to me a lot that idea to partner in that that whole you know expand in those areas you know what i do right now is hard you know and i care about it and it takes focus and we do very well you know so you know my mother's the fear of god my mother put in me empowers me to make sure that i still maintain it but you know artistically i also would like to have your respect you know i like you know i when christopher nola comes to the show and he sits in the audience and he'll give an interview about magic and he'll talk about what he saw in my show it's very flattering to me it, it makes me very happy because it's somebody i respect you know when uh, you know really cool people come to see the show and they really are influenced by it you know or they're really affected by it it gives me a lot of strength that i'm doing the right thing and every single time that i go up to bat with a new idea it doesn't work every time you know the piece that you liked the whole alien piece was not well received for a couple of years it was really not but i believed in it and i made it finally be good and it's like but it really was criticized and criticized bad you know trip advisor reviews horrible why are you doing that i didn't pay to see a puppet show i don't want to really really bad and they were kind of right <laughs> you know what i'm saying they were they they had good you know they as you know the difference between really really great and good and sucky is little tiny bits and I stick with it and luckily you know the audience sticks with it and uh, I learn every time from it I you know I gain so much knowledge from it and still still there'll be a change tonight in the show from what you saw you know on the phone I'm with my co-director Homer Leewag on the phone we are tweaking a little change of how a piece of scenery comes down or how I'm going to rephrase something. Did you notice on the stage, writing on the stage, words? And oh, me? yes, I did. And that's me every night changing two sentences. Not in, a, in terms you understand, in a Seinfeld way. You know, he talks about it, creating a joke. Moving a word here or having, repeating a sentence here, it makes a difference. And I, it's, it's glorious torture for me. Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business, I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey everybody, I want to tell you about a great product. 
called Boku Superfoods. I just got back from Ohio and met with the owners of the company, and I was just incredibly blown away by it. They have the purest, most potent, and delicious superfood blends on the planet. It's just in these incredible powders where you just add any liquid you want, water, make smoothies. It's just so good and so healthy. Certified organic, kosher, and vegan, Boku Superfood is changing the game for thousands of people all over the world. And I'm confident it'll change your life. So much so that I worked out an unbelievable deal with the owners. You'll be able to get a full week's worth of Boku Superfood for free. All you got to do is pay minimal shipping and you can join the Boku Love Life loyalty team. Just go to tryboku.com and experience the difference of how it makes you look and feel. And you will understand why Boku is the number one family-owned superfood company in the world. To me, where I saw the artist torture in you is the difficulty you have, the pros and cons of audience participation. Because what happens is, for those you don't know, if you want to have audience participation, you have to have it be organic. But that takes time because a Frisbee gets tossed to somebody and they're from Spain. And it could be one minute and 10 seconds before they do what you want them to do. Or you have somebody who you have coming up on stage, but they don't get there quickly. And that's another minute and 30 seconds. There's probably at least 14 minutes of time that's taken for somebody to figure out what to do with something, to walk up stage, to do whatever, to get people set. And that's 14 minutes that in your mind, when I watch you perform, you're like, come on. There is a rhythm of what you do and the audience has to go with that rhythm and you, it's a, you're playing an instrument, you know, and when you start to involve people who are not part of the show, because they're, they're not, even though people suspect they are, they're not, and they don't understand what you're saying, or they take more time, or they don't do what you want to do, the whole rhythm starts to break you know it breaks down the song breaks down because you go to see these shows broadway singing in the rain nothing changes no word gets adjusted ever on you're not allowed to do that maybe in hamilton he's allowed to but you're not allowed to so the shows that david saw on broadway not one line changed except when zero mustel walked on stage <laughs> when zero mustel walked on stage in fiddler on the Roof, i was there i witnessed it he was in fiddler on the revival of fiddler on the roof zero mustel walks on stage and literally, he takes the show hostage. He, he takes a character, he breaks, he stays in character, he breaks from the script, and he takes, he, he tells a story of, he does a mime piece where he strangles an imaginary guy, digs a hole, a grave, throws the imaginary ca character in this grave, buries him for four minutes, which is a long time, and all the actors stand there like stunned. They don't know what they don't know what to do watching him do this entire thing like that. So that's the one time where you know <laughs> we're going to see Zero Mostel in the show. Uh, this is many many years ago. But yes, you're correct. Like I saw something last night, and you talk about the rhythm. Your rhythm completely broken. You're doing this trick that involved wristbands. Everybody's told a hundred times, put on your wristband, do this and that. The one person you bring up and you're in the middle of the trick, total finish of this trick. It's going to be amazing. All right, let me see your wristband. 
Where's your wristband? Uh, I didn't put it on. Okay, uh, let's switch you guys. And then you do something where you switch the two people, which is even more amazing because even though it broke your rhythm and it wasn't the way you wanted it, the trick became even more mind-boggling because you switched the people and it still worked. I, I like that idea that, you know, that I can dissect a show and change it and keep it fresh. You know, it would probably drive me crazy to do the same thing every single time. So the fact that people do throw me challenges and throw me curveballs means that I've got to really test my, my metal to see, you know. We had a girl... Oh, yeah. Were you there? Is your show or the girl? I asked her, who'd you come to the show with? And I couldn't understand what she was saying. She said, um, she said, my, my, my boo thang. My boo thang. Were you there for that? Yeah. She said, my boo thang. And I said, what? I couldn't understand boo thang. You know, I'm here with my boo thang. She's talking about her, her, her husband or boyfriend, my boo thing. <laughs> so I've got an alien in the show. So, you know, I got a chance to make a joke about, you know, he wants to be your b- blue thing, boo thing. So, um, so but more that, you know, makes you feel good when you get to do that kind of stuff. When you, when you get thrown something, a little, little offering that you can make something into, you know. When I think of you, there's you and there's everybody else. But... In your mind, when you think of magicians who have come up in the 30 or so years that you've been working, who do you look at? And when you see them do something, you're like, damn, that, that was good. I have so much respect for that person. And even though I don't do that trick and I never created that trick, I really am blown away by it. In magic, it's kind of funny that, like you said, it could be a, a, a trick, one thing that's like, oh my God, great. You know, there's been moments where I've been, it's, it's rare, but it, where you get fooled by something. One of the horrible parts about being a magician is that you lose a little bit of that chance to feel that feeling that we give to people, that feeling of, oh my God, to feel that, wow, that, that rapture. A feeling when I when when I feel it, it's great. Rarely happens, but if, I was a friend of mine was doing a, uh, an effect with a coin thing right in my hands, and the coin dropped from the heavens into my hand. And for a moment, I got to feel that feeling, and it's an amazing, amazing feeling. It's a great gift that I got. And then two minutes later, two seconds later, uh, it, it I realized what he did. But for that one moment, I got to enjoy that one moment. Um, performing magicians, watching magicians perform, uh, there's very few that perform to the level that Gene Kelly performed or Astaire performs, Sinatra, or, or today, Celine Dion, for example. Amazing how she transformed as a performer. Amazing, where you go, oh my God, that's great. Very few people in magic have that thing for me because of my expectations are very, very, very high. There's lots of talented magicians out there who I love and respect. As far as feeling, oh my God, this is great. There's one guy who wasn't a great magic inventor. His magic wasn't unique. It was more standard kind of magic. But as a performer, he was 
still, you look at tapes of this guy named Ricciardi. If you YouTube Ricciardi doing the broom levitation, it's like, it's Gene Kelly level stuff. It's, it's just, it's amazing. Um, and um, uh, he really did it. Wasn't his illusion, didn't invent it, you know? You know, wasn't funny guy, wasn't all, any of that stuff. Wasn't complete in that way. But just as a powerful, powerful performer presence, he was that level, you know, and uh, one of the few I've ever seen to do that. You know, there's a guy that I once saw. This was a trick that I've never seen anybody do. I've never seen anybody make it work. And it was an older magician named Norm Nielsen that did the dancing cellos and violins. And that was a trick that really blew me away that I thought to myself, no magician could ever steal this. Right. Well, they haven't. They could steal it easily. He's, a, he's still around, uh, and uh, him and his wife, amazing poster restorer collectors, uh, they recently sold their collection. But Norm, I saw as a kid in Mexico, floating of a violin. So it wasn't a cello. That would be a whole other thing. <laughs> That'd be a lot heavier. But uh, <laughs> he floated a violin, and it was a, an amazing piece because uh, it was artistic. The violin would play as he 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 do the uh, uh, the illusion, and the whole show it was um, his whole act. You know that twelve minute act, whatever it was, and you'd be able to time it better than me. <laughs> um, was all originally music based and this speaks to what you said about my show in the beginning his original act was he'd come out with a flute and the flute would disappear and he before it disappeared pages of a on a music stand would turn and that flute disappeared he would rip up the, the pages and the pages would become cards and he'd do a card manipulation with those pages uh, with the cards the music uh, sheet music that became cards and then he would start filling the violin um, prior to that he produced coins and the coins would go on a musical ladder so it was all very themed in one consistent idea and then years passed and he didn't do that he produced cards and he'd produce coins and then he'd float the violin and I'd ask him why how come that was such a great idea to have this really consistent theme of having the deck of cards be music, piece of sheet music? And he said, people didn't care. People didn't, people didn't consciously care about that. In my show, in my work, I did a piece, it was a ballroom scene, and me and Lonnie Anderson, the uh, young Lonnie Anderson were there, and she kind of blows me off in this club. And everyone freezes, and I go into this whole fantasy sequence where the mirror ball of this in this ballroom where she turned me down would float around come down from the mirror ball float around the room and uh she'd be she'd like me because this, i was impressing her with this effect and the mirror ball would vanish and then she went back to normal and blew me off again in the in the sequence and as part of the mirror ball sequence sequence i had to pass a hoop over the mirror ball to to show that there was no no attachments anywhere and the hoop was part of a chair. At the back of the chair was the hoop, because I thought, oh, let's really theme it, right? And um, it was the same kind of thing, but nobody cared. So in my current show, I keep the story piece as one piece of theater. Uh, I refer to it in the beginning of the show and talk about it, tease it, 
uh, structurally, but I let certain pieces of magic stand as just simple ideas because there's a power in simplicity. There's a power in not making a forced effort to stick a, a square peg in a round hole. You know, there is something special about keeping the message very simple. Hey, everybody. I know I've talked a lot on this show about AquaTrue, the countertop water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler purifier that's on your counter. It's only about maybe 10 to 12 inches high and maybe 10 to 12 inches wide in this triangle. It's this amazingly efficient piece of equipment that sits right on your counter. It has a nice pitcher, it has a press button where the water comes out and it gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. You just put your tap water in there and it purifies, it takes out all the bad chemicals everything out and gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine that would cost you hundreds and hundreds even thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store where the plastic containers hurt the environment it's just so much easier so much better and this product is amazing I have one, everyone who comes over, everyone who uses it, they order one. And you should too, I'm telling you, it's incredible. And if you act now, you can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code Barry, that's B-A-R-R-Y, and you'll immediately get the huge discount and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had. Industrystandardwater.com, promo code Barry. And you'll never, ever waste another dollar buying another bottle of water for your home again. You're very, very steadfast against people not revealing the tricks of magic. And I know that you one time filed a suit against somebody to stop him from putting things in the book about the secrets, which he didn't do in the book. And you see an act that's been working for 40 years, like Penn and Teller, whose main theme of their show is showing the magic. Are you okay with it? Well, Penn and Teller are brilliant, first of all. I mean, uh, we, we, we're friends, and uh, you know, I really, they're one of the people that really do good work you know, and, and lift the art form, I think. Um, the theme, their kind of, their gimmick for many years, and I call gimmick in quotes because, you know, was a, the, their conceit was that they were really honest and they're going to tell the secret because they're honest and also, but the secrets they were telling, if you look carefully, really didn't hurt any, didn't hurt me, didn't hurt anybody in, in my business. They were really doing it in a way that really nobody could remember or nobody could really follow. Uh, you know, I used to have an effect in my show, which is a classic. Dante um, did it in his show called Backstage of the Magician. You'd have the, you'd see from behind the scenes how an illusion worked. You'd see the girl hiding behind a box, crawling into the other box, and then at the end result, even though you saw how it worked, a guy would pop out of the box instead of the girl. So that kind of theme was the Penn and Teller kind of 
thing where they kind of fool you at the end of something else, even though they've, you think they let you in, but they really don't. But they did it in a very kind of clever way, and these are very, very smart, smart guys. And uh, we have, you know, I went to their Walk of Fame ceremony. I spoke at their Walk of Fame ceremony, um, um, having gotten one, you know, years before. You know, uh, you were the only person who was on the Walk of Fame up to that point. I opened the door. I opened the door. Houdini had, you know, he did it after his death. I was the first living guy, and now it's the floodgates are open. <laughs> but, but um, um, I was happy to be there, um, and uh, you know, they um, they were on one of my specials. You know, if there was a problem, you know, with with what they were doing, I wouldn't have had them guest on one of my specials. Made a cameo. Um, they when they're working on something that they're going to work hard on that uh, they think I might be doing, they'll call me beforehand. They'll say, we're working on this, you know, you know, hope there's not going to be any conflict between us, meaning hope you're not going to work on something similar too. I wanted to do my research on meeting with you. So I went to see a few shows, went to see The Illusionist, went to see Penn and Teller, went to see Chris Angel's new show. What's interesting about Chris Angel is in the show, he's doing... Lance Burton's signature bit, which I presume since they're friends, Lance said, since I'm retiring, why don't you take this bit and revamp it a little bit? I was stunned that he did that. And he made an homage to Lance, which makes it, to my mind, obviously okay when you're acknowledging the person and you're doing an homage to them. But based on his brand, I was stunned that he did that piece. What's your thought about that? I think if you get permission from somebody, it's fair game. You know, we all make our own cho- choices as artists. Uh, you know, what, what we do, you know. Um, there's certain things in my show which aren't mine. I try to revise, put stuff, you know, uh, that makes it more my own, at least have an imprint of what I'm doing to it. And, uh, you know, I think it's fine. It's hard when you're sitting across from the most successful person, not just in magic, but one of the most successful people in the world. I mean, you're up there with Oprah, and I'm sitting across from you, but I have the feeling in my mind... Can I shake your hand? Yes. Thank you. Okay. But I have the feeling in my mind that you have regrets. What are they? I don't know. I mean, I think the regrets are... Things I should have done better, you know, work I should have paid more attention to, um, you know, uh, spending more time with certain people. I don't think, you know, artistically, I think when you look back at your work, if an actor looks back at their, or a director looks back at a movie, or an actor looks back at go, oh my God, I wish I just did that differently. My regrets have to do with haircuts, mostly. <laughs> you look like you're 30 years old. It's no. insane. You're like Ponta de Leon in the Fountain of Youth. What happened? <laughs> you know, everybody sees when things go well. Are there situations where you do a trick where something went horribly wrong? Niagara Falls was very scary because I watched a steel um, ramp that was supposed to push us into the us push me into the water uh, get twisted in the force of the water and I the night before we did this um, escape thing um, I was petrified I really thought this was a huge mistake and um, um, the stunt man who was uh, there to um, do some of the camera rehearsals before I were to do it 
uh, refused to hang from the helicopter because you can't hang in a helicopter over rocks that close. You have to have enough room to, to get yourself out of trouble. A lot of people don't notice that you have something in common with the political election. You too were involved with strange things happening with Russia. You want to explain that to our audience? Huh. Maybe I shouldn't now. <laughs> Maybe it's a mistake, but you can read all about it in the paper. I, you know, my stuff was kidnapped there, and uh, we had to get uh, eventually. What's interesting is I, my show was stuck in Russia, let's put it that way, for many months, couldn't get it out, and uh, I had shows booked, so we had to go to the warehouse, and, and my crew, which is an amazing team, put an hour and a half show together of greatest hits, which we toured with for a while while we got the stuff out of Russia. So that's pretty cool. Also, you were robbed with your assistants at gunpoint. Correct. Yes. And my assistants were smart enough to get the license plate and all that and memorize the license plate. I, like an idiot, showed my pockets empty, <laughs> hid my password, hid my wallet with magic technique, with a gun in my face like an idiot so um but luckily i got away with it uh i should have just handed it over but uh instinctually i just did that you know and uh my uh, my associates uh kathy daly who uh, runs musha key our, our island resort and the islands of copperfield bay um they uh she was the one that had the wisdom of writing down the the, the license plate and so forth and the uh perpetrators were captured hours later they lined up cars in a circle to make a circle of lights of automobile cars, and they had us behind a screen and identifying the guys in another car. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy night. I just want to take a minute to share another groundbreaking, environmentally sound product with you. It's an unbelievable, revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates and it will make your life so much better it's like no other product you'll ever find in the world and i'm talking about the air doctor as you know air inside our homes can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside and until now the only thing that could get rid of all these things in your house that were damaging to you and your family were systems that cost thousands and thousands of dollars that's why I wanted to talk to you about the Air Doctor and share it with you. It removes everything, dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and so many other contaminants that circulate through your home that cover your walls, floors, and furniture. You can get the Air Doctor right now. It's normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for you guys, for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300 off the Amazon price. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code Barry. I have one of these. I'm telling you, it works. It really, really works. So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. It's truly incredible. It works for me and it'll work for you. One, two, three, six degrees of separation. 
six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention a name of somebody or something. Just tell me whatever comes to mind. It might be one word, might be a sentence, might be a little story. Jim Carrey. Crazy talent. For the Wonderstone movie, he did, uh, uh, we were at the table read of the, the script. And James Gandolfini was across the table from me. And Jim Carrey gets to one of his lines and he transforms in the chair, just transforms. It's, it's crazy. And Gandolfini, who's pretty, uh, <laughs> you know, amazing actor, looks at me and I could just see in his eyes, he's going, I've never seen anything like this in my life. It's like he couldn't, he just couldn't believe what was happening in, in the chair, you know? So it's like, it's a different kind of talent, you know? One is a guy that, you know, Gandolfini was, you know, precision and uh, studied and uh, uh, measured and, um, you know, sometimes not measured, you know, but watching a guy that was just a, a tornado, you know, uh, and uh, uh, I'll never forget it. It was just amazing to, to, to see that happen. Ben Vereen. A force of nature. Ben Vereen was the affirmation of a 16-year-old David Copperfield, an affirmation that, that you could be as good as Gene Kelly or Fred Astaire on stage. You know, growing up and watching movie musicals and watching perfection, perfection on screen. And then seeing Ben Vereen directed and controlled, uh, I mean, in the nicest way, really kind of boxed in by Bob Fosse's genius was like nothing you could possibly imagine, you know. Uh, on his own after that, also talented too, Roots and all that stuff. But in Pippin, when he, when Bob Fosse was his kind of, his director and his kind of uh, unifier to put that much talent filtered through that was uh, an amazing thing that I'll never forget. Frank Sinatra. Well, you know, inspiring. I, I used a lot of his music in my show. I, I base routines to his, you know, to his songs uh, all the way and, and uh, come fly with me and, uh, you know, a career that's uh, inspired me so many ways uh, in so many areas. The idea that you could be on stage and it wasn't just about the song, it was about the lines in his face, you know, as he got older, just the history, all the, the, you're watching something that was so many layers and so rich. And, um, and I got to work with him, you know, um, somewhere in my files is a letter, thank you letter for a charity show I did for him, signed Francis Albert, you know, uh, can't find it. <laughs> Somebody probably stole it. Um, but it's, um, I worked with him right after I did the airplane illusion. And the airplane illusion, vanishing the airplane, was a, a f amazing thing to me because at the time and still now, it's about moving the audience and, you know, giving, you know, pouring my heart out to the audience through using magic as a tool. The airplane was a simple, not simple, but a, a pure magic effect. There was no story. There was no, you know, uh, kind of context. It was, I'm going to vanish an airplane. And when the plane disappear the next day it was like breaking the internet there was no internet obviously but it was like people went crazy you know and 
I said, you like that? That's what you, you like? I like this, this. I spend so much time on the other stuff. How come you like that? And again, it was the power of the big idea, the power of simplicity, the power of the very simple idea people could get. And um, Sinatra saw it. And uh, a few weeks later, I did this charity event with him. And he said to me, you know, what'd you do with the airplane? <laughs> and I said, well, Mr. Sinatra, I really can't, you know, um, can't tell you I'll spoil it for you. He says, what'd you do with the air? <laughs> and then he went on stage and sang one of his songs and Jilly Rizzo, the famous Jilly Rizzo, you know, comes and says, Frank really wants to know how you made the plane disappear. <laughs> I said, well, I, but I don't want to spoil it. The part, you know, he, you, you, he's given me so much and it would be like ruining a song for him, <laughs> like be sing, like him singing off key for it to spoil the secret. And so uh, Sinatra came off stage and he said, you know, it's all right, kid. It's all right. You don't have to tell me. It's all right. <laughs> and, it was like, and then he sent me a nice note afterwards. So, so, you know, still, you know, in my house, I enter, you entered my house today. And what did you hear playing on the piano? Frank Sinatra. There you go. As loud as you can imagine Frank Sinatra to be. We're testing. We're testing the system here. I've got these pianos in the house that have this... Uh, system the piano disc system where you can actually have sinatra play with a piano player who actually played the song playing the piano in synchronization with him singing so i think that's pretty great oprah winfrey well you're picking some pretty amazing people here um well you know you have to pick amazing people and extraordinary people when you're talking to somebody extraordinary uh, you're very kind okay i'll shake your hand <laughs> i'm really shaking it you know she is, um, what you see is what you get. She really cares about people. You know, she's real. Does that mean you're going to give away cars in your show? You know, I make them appear. <laughs> and disappear. And disappear, yeah. She's like, um, the lesson you learn from Oprah is the fact that, um, you need to think, okay, this must be an act or how can you keep that going? You know, she's obviously knows what's going on in her business and she, she's, you know, super, one of the smartest people out there. Um, very talented actress, you know, great producer. But I think the core of it is she really does care about her employees and she cares about people. When she interviews people, she, you see in her eyes, it's, it's really real. You can't fake it. You can't fake it. And, um, uh, it's, uh, she'll be very honest with you. You know, you'll ask her off camera about people, you know, what, what she really thinks about certain people and she'll be very honest with you, you know, and, um, she's a, she's a great, she's a great lady. The late Michael Jackson. I slept at Neverland. I hung out at Neverland. He built an amazing place um, based in dreams and fantasy. Music would come out of the trees and you were in this amazing world. Um, I've kind of was inspired by, uh, by that for sure with my um, real estate, you know, with my resort stuff. A lot of detail, you know, I'm, a lot of detail. I had that anyway, but, but Michael Jackson was just, well, he was a genius, you know? He was a, he was a genius. He was... Um, when you see him pop out of the stage, when he pop, you know, that they call it the toaster. That's because of me, because that's, he was afraid to do it. I worked on that 
tour that year and he wouldn't do it and if I did it it would be okay <laughs> so I was the guinea pig for Michael Jackson and the toaster when you see the guy pop out of the stage boom I think you talk about um, um, Kevin Hart you know they, he I think did it in his show um, but you could thank me for that. I take credit for <laughs> giving him the, the, the coolionis to jump out of the stage like that on this machine. Um, the, um, I wrote songs for him. I sang and auditioned songs for him, which never happened. But he'd sit there and he'd be an amazing listener. You know, all these people you mentioned have one thing in common. Streisand too. Same thing. And Warren Beatty too. Incredible. The exact same thing. They will make you feel like you're the smartest person in the room, even though they're probably smarter than you. They will be sponges and listen and look at you like they really want to know what's in your head to download every bit of information they can get from you to be better and smarter. And it's an amazing talent. And, you know, your parents tell you that empty barrels rattle the loudest, you know. Um, all, the Warren Beatties and the Barbara Streisands and the Michael Jacksons will sit there and squint their eyes at you, squint, and like cock their heads, you know, towards you and ask you questions, making you feel really, really smart to really get smarter themselves, you know, and... um and it's an amazing quality. I've tried to learn that. I, I'm inquisitive. I rather learn than be interviewed. I'm having a nice time, by the way. But, you know, I really, you know, before we started, I didn't have much time with you, but I wanted to hear about you first, you know, to hear, you know, where's the background? What is it? You know, and does you, you've got, um, I know, amazing, amazing stories yourself. You know, if we didn't have a, you know, recording machine, I would spend time with that, you know. But... That's what I learned from those people and um, or got reaffirmed, let's put it that way, that, that I was on the right path to, 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 uh, to uh, keep doing that. Your greatest holy shit moment story that comes to mind that no one would ever believe. Something happened yesterday. Um, a magician builder named Craig Dickens came to my house because we were working on an effect. And he walked through the door. He says, I've got something for you. And he hands me, he has all this lump of old magic props, and he hands me a sword. And I kind of got a little chilled. Something about this sword I remembered. And I looked at the pieces, and he said, this is the box, this is the sword box that you used in the Magic Man when you were 18. And I said, and he said, I'm going to give it to you. And I said, oh my God. He says, but no, you don't understand. I got it from the producers years ago. I've had it for 40 years. And I rented it to be used by John C. Riley in Boogie Nights. <laughs> I'm a big John C. Riley fan and, and, uh, and uh, Step Brothers fan. But in the ending scene of... Boogie Nights, this same sword box was used, my, my little box that I used when I was 18 years old. And it's now in my living room. But it was like, oh my God. It's one of those things, you, you look at this thing and you, you know, 
you look at it and you touch it, you know. Paul Winchell, after he passed away, I got all of his items, his puppets. And his daughter, who he had, it was April Winchell, who was an amazing radio and voiceover person, a lot of Disney cartoons. When she looks at her father's stuff in my museum, she walks up to the items, she grabs them and smells them. Try to smell the moment, try to go back to her childhood when she had a good relationship with her father. And it was one of those moments with this sword box, seeing this thing and looking, trying to remember the screws and the thing, being an 18-year-old scared, 18-year-old kid, having this prop that I did in the show where I sang and danced that, um, and seeing it after 40 years, and knowing that it has been used in a number of movies, in the background, and actually used in the movies, of things that are really good movies, you know, Boogie Nice is terrific. So, wow, it was cool. Your proudest moment in show business. You know, for me, every illusion process to get to an end result that's satisfactory is a long process. That's when people steal things from you or take it. It's very painful because it's not just a joke. And I say just a joke, but a joke also is a lot of time and effort to make it right. But it's not only words. It's invention. It's lighting. It's... It's music. It's making a technology, new technology work. So I have to really invent something new. When I go through a process of like that and people not liking it and finally liking it, that becomes the proudest moment. And it happens every few years. The piece you saw in the show last night with a large object that appears over your heads, people didn't like it a month ago. And they liked it in the past few days because I made certain changes. Was it good? It was holy shit moment great. Okay. I'd never seen anything like that indoors in my entire life and I never will again. Okay. Well, thank you. Remember, a month ago, it was struggling. So those moments when you go through stuff that's not supposed to work and they do work becomes really a proud moment. You know, if a TV special does well or, you know, you meet an idol or you, uh, there's so many of those moments, you know, it sounds like, oh my God, there's been so many things in my life. Oh my gosh. It's not like that. It's like, they're all wonderful. And when you see things that happen to your family, kids are amazing, non-show business things, which top everything, obviously, when you see a, a child transform. Um, but when something doesn't work and finally it does work, uh, I think every artist will tell you that that's a really amazing feeling to finally get something to work when it didn't work to begin with, but you still believed in it. So those moments are the proudest moments, I think. Your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level. It's the constant struggle to get respect for what I do. And it doesn't stop. It continues. Um, getting respect for an art form which doesn't have a slot in the press. There's no column about, this column's about movies. This column's about technology. This column's about Broadway. There's, 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 there's broadcasts about all of those things. But there's nothing really, a place that magic is, you know, 
we'll, we'll place in those things. So you have to get in another way, respect in that way. When people, artists that you respect, see your show and love what you do, you see on their face, oh my God, that was really, I was moved by that or that was really great. You hope it lasts. You hope they leave the theater and talk about it. You hope they, they do it. But, you know, there was a book called Respect for Acting. I think Uta Hagen wrote it. And um, I always liked that title, you know, Respect for Magic. George Méliès and Robert Houdin got respect because they were inventing technology. Méliès used the cinema as a magic effect and eventually turned it into storytelling. If you saw the movie Hugo, I have all of Houdin's stuff, all of Méliès' stuff in my museum. It's incredible. And when film directors come and see the Méliès stuff, they start to get teared up. They start to weep. I say, why are you crying? He says, that's the beginning of our, my life. If this magician didn't tell stories with the cinema, maybe I wouldn't be here, you know. So that's respect. And, you know, being able to take magic and, and, and do things with it that hasn't been done before is very re rewarding for me when it works. When it doesn't work, it's not so rewarding. But um, when it doesn't get respect, when it doesn't get respect, it makes me work twice as hard. And, um, and that still happens to this day. Last question. What advice would you have for the young artist with a dream, with people telling him that it's never going to happen, or her, and how they take their skills, their dreams, and create the kind of career that you have? I mean, I talk about passion, preparation, and persistence in my show for not just magic, just for everything. And what I mean by that is, you know, you have to be passionate about something. You have to find something you're passionate about. And preparation is everything. You have to be educated about every aspect of what you're doing. Preparation means know how to market it. Preparation means make sure it's honest. Um, preparation means really over, over study, over practice, over learn about what can go wrong w with everything. And then persistence is because with all those things, you will fail unless you keep going because every day there's going to be an obstacle in front of your face. There's going to be somebody saying no, somebody who might be jealous of you, somebody who just doesn't get it. Um, you know, I think, you know, putting in, in other words, Make sure that you have a voice of your own. Make sure you have a special voice. Something that you're trying, if you're dealing with technology, make sure you're, 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 what you're doing has a unique flavor or form or, 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 or something that could be noticeably different. What's that voice? Why is it important? And then figure it out. You know, once you know what it is, learn everything you can and back everything up and then charge ahead because... Uh, all those no's can be turned into yeses. You can read not just my story, but every movie that is going to fail, every startup company that was turned down, and every uh, feature that was rejected, and every actor that was told, you know, the Fred Astaire story comes to mind, you know, too skinny, not that attractive, you know, losing his hair, you know, 
you know, that famous memo, you know, which I hope it's real, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not sure that was empowering to him, but it, you know, certainly they were wrong. And, you know, you don't have to be the best looking, you know, you don't have to be the tallest, you don't have to be the thinnest, you don't have to be, you know, uh, the smartest. You just have to uh, really work hard and prepare and uh, then keep charging forward. David Copperfield, this has been one of the most amazing interviews I've ever had. And you're an incredible man and an inspiration to everybody who gets to see you and get to know you. Thank you so much. I'm humbled, humbled, humbled. You've got a great, what you've done, uh, the, the group you brought together is pretty, pretty amazing. You should be really proud besides all your other accomplishments. So thank you very much. Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message, and one of these people will be a lucky winner. And they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on HDR4, five-star review on July 19, 2013, entitled Zen Berry. The review reads, quote, I cannot get enough of us inside the biz stories. Please keep it up and give us more. I will do that. Thank you, HDR4. Congratulations. You are a winner. And that wraps up part two of our podcast. I just want to thank my incredible partners, starting with Wondery. Check out their lineup of some of the greatest podcasts in the world at Wondery.com. And AquaTrue, the revolutionary miniaturized countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately it'll turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. Get $100 off when you go to industrystandard.com and type in the promo code Barry. Start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had. And you'll save tons of money a year like I have and never buy another bottle of water again. Also, amazing documentary called I Killed JFK, centering on the only living person in history who ever admitted to killing John F. Kennedy. Go to ikilledjfk.com, buy the film, and you also get the rare interviews with five of the last living JFK assassination experts, and I guarantee you it'll change the way you think of the world. The Air Doctor, the groundbreaking portable air purification system, which will change your home environment and overall life for the better. The Air Doctor instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating through your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for you guys, for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. I got one of these systems, and I'm telling you, it's truly incredible. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And finally, Boku Superfood, the purest, most potent, and delicious superfood blends on the planet. 
certified organic kosher and vegan boku superfood is changing the game for thousands of people in 65 countries and i'm so confident it'll change your life that i worked out an incredible deal with the company get a full week's worth of boku superfood for free just pay the minimal shipping Go to tryboku.com and experience the difference of how it makes you look and feel. And you will understand why Boku is the number one family-owned superfood company in the world. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money, drive that fancy car. All the people love you, cause you're going far. Life is for the dreamers, they have all to gain. It's never quite over, till it all feels you pick your own poison, dig your own grave down in the valley. A fortune. Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.